from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good Podcast. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Good podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley. Uh, We're recording remotely this podcast uh, from our remote studios, which is in my basement and my house. And off to the west is our wonderful editorial director, Mr. Jeff McDonald. Hello, Jeff. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be with you and uh, our special guest. We do have a very, very special guest today, and it's our honor and privilege uh, to welcome in our national commander who is retiring. And when this particular episode hits the air, uh, he will be on furlough and and zeroing in on his and his retirement date. But our our joy and our privilege to have uh, Commissioner David Hudson with us. Commissioner, thanks for joining us today. It's good to be here. Thank you. You know, you are you and Commissioner Sharon are are completing. Um, gosh, is it is it forty one years of service? 42? 45, 45. 45. 45. 45 years of service, Jeff. You're not even 45 years old, are you? No, I, I was uh, born before electricity was invented. <laughs> well, it, it's a, it's amazing. I mean, I I've had the privilege, and we won't we won't tell personal stories, but I've been able to uh, travel the world and uh, be around the Hudsons uh, for uh, several decades of their active service, and it's been uh, you know it's been a great journey. It's it kind of amazing. Uh, here here you are. Uh, you're on on the doorstep of uh, ending your active retirement. Uh, you've you've entered this time probably not like you wanted because of all the COVID nineteen crisis. But what what are some of the um, the impressions right now that are running through your heart and mind as you wrap up your active service? Like you, like you said, uh, time passes faster than anybody pictures or thinks it will. I remember when I was uh, newly commissioned and I'd see some retired officers and they would say, you know, the time just flew by. And I'd say, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's true. Uh, but it really has. It's, uh, and it's, it's come these, uh, it's hard to believe we're now down to uh, just a few weeks left. And by the time this airs, maybe one or two weeks left. Uh, it's it just something you don't see coming or you think it's a long way away, and then before you know it, you're here. So there's a lot of adjustments that you know one has to make. I mean, we as officers have to make adjustments throughout our whole journey uh, with different appointments, living in different uh, communities, working with different people, and actually having you know. Uh, you know, different jobs. And, and I know I've been given jobs that I never even thought, you know, I was ever equipped for what, what are you doing right now to prepare yourself kind of like emotionally and mentally, and obviously spiritually for this, this, this huge adjustment that's facing both you and commissioner Sharon. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's in- interesting. Life as an officer is very prescriptive. Um, from the time you're commissioned, when you walk across that stage and you get your appointment for the first time, you're told, uh, you know, where to go. You're told where to live, for the most part, what to drive, uh, and as you said, what to do. And then you go into retirement, and none of those things are there for you. So it's a whole recalibration of life. And so I think that it's a kind of a progress, especially as you get into the last year or two, you begin to think about it more. Uh, I used to think, well, you know, people are checking out. Well, I don't think it's they're checking out. I think it's just part of this transition. Um, you know, I was uh, talking to insurance agents yesterday about insuring my car. Um, well, you know, for 45 years, I, I haven't had to do that. Uh, and so it's things that normal or most people just take for granted. It's a learning curve for us. And uh, most people at my age are paying off their mortgage. Uh, we just are year into our mortgage. So it's a whole refocus of life. And, uh, and I don't know how much you can prepare for that until you start actually having to do some of those things. A couple appointments back for me uh, when I got my orders to, to move, uh, a, a good friend said, you know, Tim, you need to give yourself room to kind of grieve and mourn the loss that you might be feeling uh, coming up with this appointment. I, I'm wondering for you, like reflecting back, what are what are some of the things that maybe that you're mourning over or that you're kind of like, wow, um, I'm, I'm really going to miss this aspect of my active officership? Yeah, it's a... Uh... It really is all centered around people. Uh, wherever we go, we're just blessed to get to know just some incredible people. And uh, I'm, not, I'm sure in Phoenix that will happen, but it's going to be probably within the geographical area around Phoenix and the Valley of the Sun where we have the privilege of going and meeting p- people literally all over the world. And um, uh, we're going to miss that a great deal. And um, it's, uh, it's something that we grieve over. It's also interesting, the last uh, few weeks, um, we, uh, <clears throat> you kind of look forward to your farewells or retirements uh, not to make it about yourself, but to give an opportunity to thank others and acknowledge others that have walked alongside. And now with uh, all the events uh, being canceled because of COVID-19, we're trying to come up with other ways that we can share that because there's a possibility that we will not have an opportunity uh, to, to be in a room with uh, lots of our friends and families and be able to say uh, thank you. And because of you, uh, we're better people. So there's, you're working on ways to kind of bring some closure where you normally, uh, well, in a normal retirement 
setting for an, an officer. They can have a time of celebration and, 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 but you're, you're coming up some, with some unique ways to, to kind of say your goodbyes and, and thank people. What are, what are some of those ways that you're doing that? Well, uh, I think, uh, we're trying to use social media. Uh, we will be releasing a video, uh, which kind of highlights, uh, uh, you know, our time from our perspective as officers. And, uh, and so it will be released on, uh, our social media and maybe even the, the national site. And so the good news is it won't be live. And so people can kind of fast forward to uh, their time because we pretty well try to do it in chronological, chronological order. But again, to kind of, uh, celebrate God's goodness, uh, if if we do have a retirement service and the one that was planned, the theme was uh, it's all about grace. You see, everything that we have in our life is really because of grace. First and foremost, the grace of God, and also though the grace that other people that uh, they've they've given us, uh, and hopefully uh, we've given them. Uh, and then also, we'll probably uh, I don't do a lot of posting personal things on my Facebook. I've kind of given that over to the army. I'll probably start taking it back here pretty soon and I'll, and I'll, and I'll start sharing maybe more memories, uh, on, on Facebook and highlighting certain people, uh, that have, uh, that have, uh, meant a very, uh, a lot to Sharon and I, uh, for unique reasons. A lot of people mean a lot. Uh, but there'll be always some unique circumstances that we'd like to uh, maybe uh, highlight a person or two or three or 10 or 20. Well, I, I personally would like to see on that date of July 1st, uh, you posting something of you getting up at sunrise and running once again on one of the peaks around Phoenix, like you used to do all the time. Uh, you know, it's Phoenix in July. You just said that it'll be uh, 110. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. But not at 6 a.m. It'll be 98. So. You know, True. It's a little, little different. Hey, Jeff, I'll toss it yeah. over to you. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, I was thinking about Commissioner running, and I was wondering maybe he'll be driving his new sports car that he is planning on getting. I mean, is it going to be a two seater with a big engine, Commissioner? Or? No, no. Uh, we've kind of we've kind of settled on more pragmatic approaches. I, I I'm just sometimes too practical for my own uh, my own good. And so, uh, no, we won't. Uh, uh, we'll just kind of get what's needed. Yeah, that's that's a smart way to go. Um, if just uh, to give you an employee's perspective, I think one thing about you and Commissioner Sharon that people recognize right away is that you're you're just who you are. You're yourselves. You know, you know, you're not. You don't put on pretenses, um, and uh, you're just a very natural and um, straightforward, and that's uh, a worthwhile kind of a demeanor to have. We appreciate that. Um, so, given that you know the years do pass quickly, you're, you've had so many involvements. Uh, I'm just wondering, you know, first of all, if you consider yourself an extrovert, I imagine you would. But also, I'm really curious: how did God place a call on your life? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if I'm an extrovert or not. I tend to think that I'm a social introvert. Um, sometimes 
speaking speaking in public is still uh, creates a little anxiety. Uh, sometimes meeting new people, and I think uh, when I think of an extrovert, they kind of run to those opportunities. Um, I do kind of a a willing, purposeful walk uh, in that direction. So I kind of think, but I need people, and I need people to be around me. It's interesting as regarding how God has called me into this direction. Um, I grew up uh, in what I refer to as a you know highly dysfunctional family, and uh, there's a lot of lot of dysfunctional families around. But uh, um, alcoholic father who was uh, physically and mentally and emotionally abusive. I say he was functioning in the fact that he could hold a job, uh, but uh, providing a little bit of, uh, you know, physical needs for the family is about all that he did. My my mom and I, uh, you know, left him or he left us uh, when I was about seven. I lived with my aunt, uh, who was a Salvation Army officer for a year. Uh, then my mom... Um, got together with a former boyfriend in um, Anchorage, Alaska. And I don't quite sure how that happened. We were in New Orleans and he was in Anchorage. And so this was back in the sixties. And so I have no idea how that happened, but before I knew it, I was living in Anchorage. Uh, events led us to Portland. Uh, and a couple years later, he, he took his life. And so um, again, we were kind of thrust into uncertainty. Uh, and my aunt had lived, uh, now retired and moved to Portland. And so with literally nowhere to go, we lived with her. Uh, just prior to that, we began to uh, attend the Salvation Army in Portland. Uh, and a Corps officer uh, on the totally opposite side of, of Portland uh, would, would transport my mom and I uh, numerous times a week uh, to programs. And he became a constant for me and in some ways a surrogate father. And so the two positive role models I had in my life was my aunt, who uh, probably has been in my early life, certainly the most constant, um, where I knew I was loved, I I knew I was accepted, but she uh, believed I could be better than than I was, and she believed in me to be my best. And I had this core officer who very much the same, and they were both being officers. And I think God used that, that I wanted to maybe be that, uh, for somebody else. And so, um, I think God used that first and foremost to call me, uh, into, uh, his, uh, ministry as a Salvation Army officer. Well, if anybody was ever around your aunt, they would know that they were around somebody who was very saintly and very driven and uh, very, very loving, but, but made sure to keep people to task. And I'm sure she had a significant influence on you as you went through your officership. Yeah, absolutely. I, I still hear, uh, I still hear her voice, uh, you know, teaching me life lessons. Uh, she would, uh, she would always say things, something like, uh, David, I want you to listen to me. Look at me, David. Are, are you listening? 
And then she would teach me a life lesson. And then she'd say, David, repeat what I just said back to you. And if I, and I would, and if I got it right, she'd say, good, now you, you need to learn that. You need to do that. If not, she said, you, you weren't listening, David. And I still have that in, in, in my mind. And there's many times in life, something will come up and it, uh, those words and her, her, uh, focusing, uh, her eyes on my eyes, uh, and teaching me those lessons, uh, I'll certainly never forget. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is, uh, really a, a great story. It's, it's quite amazing. You know, the research on, um, developing resiliency in people who well, grew up in disadvantaged situations. Uh, one factor in that resiliency is having one significant person in your life who takes an interest in you. And I think about, you know, the people in our lives who pray for us and who, who take the initiative to intervene. That's a great story. Um, so given that you've come through these, this, um, rather unusual upbringing, and here you become the, the national leader of the Salvation Army, the national commander, um, and you end up advocating on a national level for certain concerns that the Army has. Could you give some examples of some of those issues or ideas that you've kind of put on the forefront of the national agenda? The longer I've been an officer in the Salvation Army, the more I love our mission. Um, you know, is you know to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human need in His name without discrimination. I think sometimes we 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 treat it too lightly. I don't think we do it intentionally, but I think we tend to separate it. We tend to uh, you know my my role is to preach the gospel. Or somebody else says, my role is to meet human need in his name without discrimination. Um, but I think it does a, a disservice. Uh, I think the mission of the Army is the mission of the Army. Because when you think about it, uh, you know, people hear the word preach the gospel. Well, they immediately think of something like, well, it's talking about uh, Sunday, giving a sermon on Sunday, or doing a Sunday school class, or doing a Bible study. But the preach is to proclaim. And you think about, okay, proclaim what? And it's the gospel. And the gospel is the good news. And what is the good news? The good news is that we are loved because, in of itself, by fact that we're loved unconditionally. Uh, the gospel is about. Uh, grace, uh, not that I have to earn, but God's love towards is free. It's about reconciliation, man to God, God to man, and man to man. It, it's about rehabilitation. It's about all the things that that man so desperately needs. That's that's the gospel, and so therefore meeting human need in his name without discrimination goes hand in hand with the former. You see, I don't preach the gospel so that I can then qualify to meet human need, but I don't also, I don't meet human need in order to qualify to preach the gospel. 
You know, I love the the saying that's attributed to St. Francis. Um, We don't know if he said it or not, but it's preach the gospel at all times. Use words if you must. We are about proclaiming liberation, freedom, grace, reconciliation to a world that desperately needs that. And I think that's an incredibly powerful mission. And I think that the army needs to make sure that we never deviate from that mission. We need to be spot on. And it's not part of the mission. It's the mission in its entirety. Well, just uh, commissioner, you know, just as you were speaking, you know, like a bulletin, a news bulletin came across and I, I love the title of this. It, it said that they're, the Salvation Army there for those who have no one else to turn to. I think we're seeing a lot of examples of that right now, uh, not only here in America, but we're seeing it across the country. I, I'm just wondering what, what kind of advice would you give to you know active officers to, to really keep that mission in the forefront? Uh, kind of like an, I don't want to say it's like an open mission, but the mission that you're describing kind of really taps into this fact that the Salvation Army is available for people who, you know, may not realize it. How can an officer kind of keep, keep that mission fresh and, and open and, and vibrant and not fall into some kind of stereotype? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a good question. It's a, I think it's a difficult uh, question to answer. Um, I think you, you have to go back to the origins of the army and you get some great examples. So like one of uh, my favorite stories, which almost every Salvationist will have known is when, uh, William asked his son Bramwell, if he knew that there were homeless people sleeping underneath the London bridge. And when Bramwell acknowledged that he did he told him to do something, literally. He said, go do something. Then I look back at uh, 9-11 and with, when New York and Washington and, and uh, Pennsylvania had these terrorist attacks and all of us around the country were thrown into disarray. The Salvation Army literally ran or drove to the front lines and they decided we're going to do something. They didn't know exactly what it was at the time, but they were going to figure it out because we're going to do something. You look at Katrina when it happened uh, or uh, what we call uh, three years ago, the trifecta of hurricanes where it was uh, started with Harvey and um, I think it was Irma and Maria all happened one, two, three. And whether it was in Texas or whether it was in Florida or whether it was in Puerto Rico, the army sprinted or flew or took a boat toward uh, the disaster and did something. I think that is what the army is. Um, During this time at COVID-19, I see the finest of the army come out uh, because, you see, we're not the Baptist church. Baptist Church is great. We need the Baptist Church in the world, and we're not we're not the uh, Nazarene Church, but they're great. But 
that's not who we are. Uh, we're not the Red Cross. Well, the Red Cross is great, but that's not who we are at the United Way or Feeding America or whatever. The Salvation Army is the Salvation Army. And what the Salvation Army does in its best is when it sees human suffering, it sprints toward human suffering because that's what we saw Jesus do. And we, when we do that, I think God blesses us more than any other time, because I think other times we tend to sometimes wonder who we are. We're not anything else. We are the Salvation Army, and the Salvation Army sprints towards needs. It's like when William Booth, when he wanted to send a telegram to inspire the troops in America uh, because of finances, he had to keep it short, and so he said one word, others. The Salvation Army is about others. We get that right, and we are who we are. And I just and I encourage people to not forget that and uh, keep reminding ourselves and reminding other people. And uh, so, and I and I just get so much pride and joy when I see all across the United States our people doing incredible things. In Jesus' name, literally preaching the gospel, sometimes using words, and certainly meeting human need to anybody that comes through our, actually, I was going to say through our doors. They're not coming through our doors. They're coming through our parking lots, uh, I guess, in our doors through the shelters or whatever. Uh, so that's, that's what I'd encourage people to do and what I'd encourage people to focus on. I think if we could give soldiers, employees, and officers uh, a mic in a few moments to uh, talk about a memory about uh, you and Commissioner Sharon, uh, our podcast would probably be about 15 hours long. But, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been a privilege uh, to watch you uh, active uh, as an officer. Uh, when our paths crossed in uh, early '80s, uh, when you were you and Sharon were were loving on people in in East LA, uh, and our we were up in Oxnard. And remember, we had a softball team, and we had a few kids, and you had a few kids, and we came together every Friday evening in Bell Gardens. And I have seen nothing but consistency in in how you treat people, how you love people, and how you have lived a life of grace. And uh, over the years, it's just been an incredible honor and privilege. Uh, one that I will look back on my own journey and, and say, you know, I thank God for David Hudson uh, and for Sharon Hudson and for the authenticity and the realism that they showed of what it, what it takes to be a Salvation Army officer. So we thank you for that. And uh, we know personally, I just know, you know, it's, it's, it's not the final final, uh, you leaving me here again. Um, but um, we, we wish nothing but the best for you and Commissioner Sharon. Uh, and the Valley of the Sun is obtaining two new permanent residents that I, I think uh, the Salvationists in that area uh, will be, you know, incredibly blessed, and we know that uh, God has other 
opportunities for you down the road. We don't know what those look like right now, and you may not even know what those look like. But uh, we 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 thank God and we for you and and thank you for giving us the opportunity and and your support of national programs and publications uh, over over the years as you've served at national headquarters as national chief secretary and as the national commander. Uh, Commissioner, is there any kind of final words that you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, I guess the thing uh, is, um, you, you know, if you do what God calls you to do, uh, you will, uh, first of all, you will be blessed, but more importantly, uh, you're going to be a blessing to others and encouragement to others. And so uh, I just encourage people to be themselves because uh, that's what God's created, but be the best of yourself that you can be. Well, we hope you'll take some time to look at the June issue of The War Cry, where we have a interview with both commissioners David and Sharon Hudson as they enter into their retirement. And I know you'll want to wish them well and offer your prayers for them. And uh, we look forward to further stories of, of what God's going to be doing in their life as their life journey continues. Well, that's going to end this episode of the Fight for Good podcast. Thank you for taking a few moments of your day to giving us a listen. We encourage you to be an ambassador of the Fight for Good podcast. Tell your friends and encourage people to give us a few minutes of their time to listen. We also encourage you to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow the uh, award-winning War Cry and Peer Magazine. Isn't that right, Mr. Editorial Director? We have won some awards recently. The Evangelical Press just gave uh, Peer and War Cry some awards in several of its categories. So we're pleased with that, certainly. So we hope you jump on board. Read us at www.thewarcry.org or at www.peermag.org as well. Also, you can like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Well, until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. Thanks for listening. Keep safe, and God bless you. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.